My name is George Davis, and that's my friend Bob. So, <laughs> what a beautiful name it is. Thank you for joining us as we wrap up the year of 2018, celebrating the work of Jesus Christ. Uh, some of you, hopefully, uh, have been with friends and family this week. Hope you had a great Christmas. Now we're starting to the turn the page. You know, this is always, for me, an interesting time of year because we get to the end of December, and it's just natural, right, to look back at 2018. So, for instance, however you, you kind of get news or information, most likely, whether that's on television, online, you know, your news feed, Facebook, Twitter, over the last couple of days, you, you've probably seen some articles that are kind of the year in review. You know, here are the important events of 2018. Here are the famous people that died this year. Here are the most important events in entertainment. Here are the best movies. Here are the best songs. And, you know, we kind of get to the end of the year and we, we look back and think about all the highlights of the year. And even as we can do that culturally, I, I just want to ask you to, to do this for a moment personally. So for you, and maybe you haven't done this, but if, if you were to look back, if we were to have this conversation, you know what? What really were the highlights of this year for you? What were the best parts of this year? For some of us, maybe they were things that were new. You know, a new relationship, a new job. Some of you, it's a, it's a new school, or I started school, or, uh, you know, new opportunity, something, a, a milestone. Somehow you reached a milestone. I graduated from elementary school, or, or maybe, you know, one of the highlights for us in our family was our oldest son, Paul, graduated from College, Man, what a great thing to celebrate. Not only is he entering a new chapter, but the bills stop. <laughs> What's not to celebrate as a dad right in that? So, they, you know, these, so that was really, this was just a milestone that we got to celebrate this with Paul as our family, even relatives coming in for that and at the end of April. So, so what about, what, what for you have been the really good parts of 2018? What have been the highlights Maybe to make this, let me just see if I can even make it a little more concrete. Just twist the question a little bit. What if you thought about ways in which people have been encouraging to you or helpful to you? I mean, in a moment, I'm just going to ask you to do this. To some people around you, wherever you're sitting, just have a brief conversation in the group you're around. And I want you to do this. I want you to share memory of someone doing something nice for you this year, right? We want to start off as we look at the year thinking, as we review the year, we want to think positively about the year. So I'm going to jog your memory. Can you think of someone doing something nice for you? I don't know what that looks like in some of your relationships. When I thought about that this week, I thought, you know, as some of you know, during part of the summer, I was on sabbatical and just, just some encouraging conversations I had with people as as I left that were just supportive and particularly with our staff and the way people stepped up and then the way I was welcomed back when I came. Those are just, those are just very meaningful to me and those relationships of the people I work with are very valuable. So what about for you? Can you think of a memory of someone doing something nice for you this year? So I'm going to give you about two minutes just to have a brief conversation with the people around you and go.
Okay, I'm going to interrupt you. Realize not everybody got to share. Some of us are we're with families. This is a family Sunday for us, so if you, maybe this is a conversation you can continue at lunch. You know, what was, what was the highlight? What were the best parts of the year for you? And I realize in asking you to look back on the year, I've, I've skewed the question, right? You know, I just so what have been the best parts? And we also have to acknowledge in looking at 2018, for some of us, there were some really challenging parts of the year. I mean, while maybe for some of us there was some great new stuff, for others of us there was loss, right? Maybe someone close to you died this year. Or maybe it was the first year you've had to go through the cycle of the different rhythms of the seasons without someone who is close to you, and, and that's hard. Or there was a downturn at your job, you lost your job, or relationships came to an end, or things have gotten more murky in some of your relationships. The reality is... You know, some years simply don't go well for us. And that happens to everybody, believe it or not, even this woman. Right? The Queen of England, you think, well, surely if you're royalty, it always goes well, right? Everybody always takes care of you. But, you know, I was thinking about tough years. I I remember going back a few years in, in 1992 as she reflected on that year. She described it as an honest horribilis, a horrible year. Even the queen has a bad year now and then. And so for some of us, you know, you're, you, maybe you're here and you would say, you know, I don't really want to look back at this year. I just want to turn the page and start a new year. And I get that too. But here's what I want you to see as, as we wrap up the year. When it, when it comes to the past, we don't, we don't simply remember the past. We are also shaped by it, Right? We, we don't simply remember the past. We're also shaped by it. And, and looking back over this year, for some of us, there, there are certain things that have happened, certain events, conversations, transitions, and, and those are, are having a shaping influence on our lives. For instance, you know, maybe, maybe you've had some experiences this year where you know, there's just been some real encouragement in relationships. You know, maybe at school it's just been great to, to get to know some other kids and you feel like, man, I'm getting welcomed and I got this group of, of, of guys or gals and we're really, you just value that connection and being apart and hanging out and, and that's just encouraging you to build into relationships. But on the other hand, maybe you've had a similar experience and you've been betrayed in a relationship or the relationships have become very dramatic and all of a sudden the person you thought was your friend isn't your friend and it's gone south and, and it just causes you just maybe to be a little more guarded, a little more hesitant and see in so many ways we need to understand we don't, we don't just remember the past. We're shaped by it. And consequently that means we, we need to remember well. We need to look back well. Otherwise, we're being shaped in some very unhealthy ways. And tragically, for some of us, there are things in our past, right, that are kind of messing us up in terms of how we think about our life, how we look at others, how we engage other people at school and our family in the workplace. There there are parts of our past that are kind of messing with us, and we we haven't really processed it well. We we, we haven't looked back well and, and... our past is shaping us in very unhealthy ways. Even, you know, a friend of mine, he's a little older than I am, at the beginning of this month, he's, take, he's taken a leave of absence from his work. And, 
the reason is he's it just become apparent that there's some things from his past, some wounds from his past that, that he needs to process a little more intently because otherwise the past will continue to shape him in very unhealthy ways. So it, it's important to look back and kind of pay attention to the big moments, but also understand that those moments can shape us. And we need to remember well so that the past isn't shaping us in unhealthy ways. And if you are a follower of Christ, it's, I think in a very interesting way, there's a pattern in which Christ wants you to look at the past. And to show you that, I want to show you a scene in the closing pages of the Gospel of Luke. If you've got a Bible, if you want to turn there with me, Luke chapter 24. We come to Luke chapter 24, and Jesus is raised from the dead in triumph. And it's, right, it's this amazing story of God's power at work and God's victory at work. And then as Luke tells the story, he zooms in on these two individuals that are now leaving Jerusalem, going off to a little village called Emmaus. And you need to understand Emmaus is such a nondescript, <laughs> insignificant place that today we don't actually know where it's located. If you talk to archaeologists, they will say, here, here are maybe three or four possible sites, but we just don't know. There's just not enough evidence. It was just a little out-of-the-way village. And so here are these, here are these individuals. They're, they're now headed out of Jerusalem after all that has happened to Jesus. And they're looking at the past. And as they head off to their little village, Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, joins in the conversation. But at this point, they don't really understand that he's been raised from the dead. And they don't recognize him. And, and somehow we're given, I think, clues that, that they've been in Jerusalem and perhaps they've been at the kind of periphery of Jesus' movement. We don't know how familiar they were with him, even if they would actually recognize him if they saw him, but these, these are guys that somehow have been connected with Jesus. But, but now as they're leaving, they're despondent. And Jesus says, okay, so, hey, what are you guys talking about? And, and one of them says, what do you, what, haven't you heard the news? Aren't you paying attention? <laughs> you know, look at your Twitter feed more often, right? Don't, haven't you heard of Jesus of Nazareth? And and it becomes clear that these two had been in Jerusalem. They had been excited by Jesus' message and the hope and the encouragement that he brought. You know, there's just so much negativity in their culture, such a level of frustration, having to deal with foreign rule. And here was a guy that was bringing a different message, a message of hope and transformation, the fulfillment of promises. And it looked so good, but then, then, it, then their world collapsed in on them. And he was executed. Rome wins again. Rome always wins. And so they're despondent now. You know, they'd heard rumors that he had been raised from the dead, but, eh, you, you know, those are, just, those are just stories. And notice what Jesus says. Look at verses 25 and following. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. 
Now notice what's going on here. In essence, he's saying, see, remember, the guys are walking, they're walking, they're walking out to their village and they're looking back. Even as I ask you to look back over the last year, they're just looking back over the last few days and all they see is failure. All they see is defeat. And Jesus, in essence, is saying, guys, you need to remember, but you've got to get the story right. You need to remember well. You have to engage the past well. And so Jesus begins reminding them of certain scriptures in the Bible, taking them back to this this powerful storyline at work in the scriptures that we've been created to be in relationship with God, but that's been twisted and distorted by sin. And you see that even in the nation of Israel's history. And undoubtedly, he reminded them of their nation's failure and how they had not lived up to their calling. And yet, even in the messages of the Old Testament of judgment, there's this underlying theme of hope that while we have failed, one day a Messiah, a promised one, an anointed one would come and he would bring about a change in transformation and the ultimate fulfillment of God's restoration. And so Jesus begins reminding them of certain texts. He takes them undoubtedly to the Psalms and certain passages in Isaiah. Even over the last few weeks, we've been looking at Isaiah chapter 9, and he would have taken them to places like that. And as as Jesus does this, part of what he's doing is he's wanting them to see, look, all you, you look at the past, all you see is failure. But there's a bigger story at work. And my life is at the center of that bigger story. It's surprising. It's not what you expected, but it's the fulfillment of of these promises. And so in, in showing them these promises, Jesus is also showing them how his story fits into the fulfillment of these promises. And we kind of see how the whole thing comes together, right? We and we think about Jesus' life and we think about right the manger. That's what we've been celebrating right, the manger, the birth of Christ. But of course, this isn't the birth you would expect for one who is coming as royalty, right? We think about palace, not a babe born in a manger because there's no room in the inn. So he comes as a king to reign, but he comes in a very surprising way. And of course, the manger leads to the cross, And once again, this is not what we are expecting. We we expect a king to establish his rule on the battlefield, defeating his enemies. Well, in reality, Jesus does that, but he does it by hanging on a cross. He defeats the powers of sin and brokenness and death that imprison us by giving his life on our behalf. And of course, the reality is, and and this may surprise you, but the reality is the manger leads to a cross, which leads to a table. You say, what's a table doing up there? Well, remember, in fulfilling these promises, even in a surprising way, what Jesus was doing was establishing a new community, bringing people together in restored relationships with God, with one another. He was establishing a new family, a new community, which he called the kingdom of God. People that were the recipients of his grace and hospitality, people who would sit around his table. And interestingly... As Jesus recounts the story to these two disciples, this 
is exactly what happens. Notice how the passage continues. Look at verses 28 and following. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued as if he were going further, but they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight they ask each other, were not our hearts burning within us while, we talk, while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? You see what's happening? They, they got to the end of the journey. And now we're sitting around the table with Jesus' host. And this is where it all starts to make sense for them. This is where they realize who he is. And what he's done. And this is where that failure no longer seems to be failure anymore. And this is where they realize we're now recipients of his grace, of his hospitality. We now sit at his table. Now, here's what's really fascinating about this passage of scripture. As Luke tells the story of this scene, the language that he uses, right? He took the bread, he broke it and gave thanks. The wording that Luke uses here is the very same wording that Luke uses two chapters earlier when he describes communion, when he describes the Lord's Supper. And I think that's very intentional. He's drawing a connection between the two events and what he's saying is, you know, when we gather to celebrate the Lord's Supper, we gather to remember. We gather to remember what God has done and we gather as people who are now recipients of his grace, recipients of hospi his hospitality, people that are able to look back at the past in a particular way because we look back to our past, not simply in isolation, but we look to our past in light of the fact that I'm now sitting at his table. So appropriately this morning, we're going to spend some time around the table. And I encourage you to, if you need to, allow this to be a time to, to look back and just remind yourself, okay, I see some things that happened this year, maybe the things that are frustrating you or this disappointing you. And if, and if you're a follower of Christ, to look back and be able to say, look, I don't, I don't fully get why some of this is going on. I don't fully understand where it's headed. But I don't want to see these events of 2018 simply in isolation. I want to remember that I'm seated at his table. And I need to remember sometimes that what I see only is failure, just like the disciples saw it only as failure. It's actually part of a bigger story characterized by his grace and hospitality. So maybe this morning as we look back on 2018, there are ways in which you just need to come to the table and say, okay, God, this has been frustrating for me. This has been challenging for me this year, but... But I'm a recipient. I'm a recipient of your grace. I'm part of your family. I'm at your table. And help me to process this past in line of that identity. 
Help me not to see it simply in isolation. But you know, there's, there's an interesting thing about coming to the table. I don't know if this is true in your family. It, it's also tr- it's true in ours. And that is this, right? Often when we come to the table, we come hungry, don't we? Several weeks ago, we had a, uh, a Christmas party for those who volunteer in our student ministry, our core ministry. Some of you were there, and my wife and I are in a small group that helped in the kitchen, and that was great. And of course, you know, when you're in kitchen, you also need to do a little bit of quality control, right? I mean, I'm the senior pastor, got to make sure we serve the best to our volunteers. So I was trying out the food in the kitchen along with some of the other people back there. It was good. If you were there, you know, I mean, this just New York strip, it was delicious. And and my wife and I looked at, oh, this is, looked at each other. We've got to have this. And it, in the course of the conversation, it turned out it was on sale at Carnes. So, so we went to Carnes that night after we got home. And, and that's what we had for our Christmas dinner. And, and I kid you not, over this week, our family, we've gone through 12 pounds of New York strip. <laughs> I know. Uh, amen. So uh, sorry, I've got to get back on track. My, I'm starting to salivate a little bit. But... Uh, but I came, I, came to, I came to the table with a sense of expectation, and we do that. You've been invited to someone's home you knew was a great cook, and you look forward to the meal. You maybe, you know, I know the dessert's going to be good, and, and there's a real sense in which when we come to the table of Jesus, it's not just looking back and remembering, but it's also doing so with a sense of hunger and anticipation. We don't simply look back, we look, look forward. In fact, Paul the Apostle says this, that as often as you celebrate this, you, you show the Lord's death until he comes. And part of that looking forward is understanding that as we move forward, God's grace will continue to be at work. He will continue to be faithful to his promises because I've been invited to his table. And he is my host who lavishes me with his grace and hospitality. So now as we turn the page on this year, I encourage you to look back with with just an awareness that the things of your life that were important to you this year, if you're a follower of Christ, understand them in light of your identity. Understand them in light of the fact that you sit at this table, but also as we move into the new year, I encourage you to do so with a sense of anticipation that this is a year in which God desires to be at work in you and through you. If you're following Christ, you're now seated at this table and the hospitality and the grace continues. So that leads me to just one other question I want to ask you. And I'm just, I'm just going to give you a couple of minutes to think on this as well. If you look in your program, you'll see that the second question is this. How is Jesus inviting you to live out your faith in the coming year? How is Jesus inviting you to live out your faith in the coming year? And I just so, you know, what are the ways in which God might desire to be at work in your life? Maybe as you wrestle with that question, maybe there's some attitudes that he needs to work on, some fears that you would say, oh God, if you could just help me, empower me to work through this, to trust you in new and different ways. Maybe you're in a season of life where there's some next steps you know you need to take, but you're not quite sure, you're fearful, and, but maybe this could be the year where you take those next steps. 
Maybe there's some relationships that you need to build into in new and intentional ways, some things in your family that you need to resolve, or even things from your past that you need to work through. And maybe there are particular relationships where you know God is, is drawing you into living out your faith. In, in really your spheres of influence. And remember over the last few weeks, we've talked about the reality that this story is a story we have to tell. So I'm gonna lead us in prayer and I'm just gonna give you just, just a couple of minutes just to, just to reflect before God. How might he be inviting you to live out your faith in the coming year? Would you pray with me? So Father, we've taking time to look at this scene, and as we look at this scene, we are reminded of the fact that if we're followers of Christ, we've been brought to your table. And Father, when we come to your table, it causes us to look at the past differently. We come to your table and we look back and we're we're challenged to see the, the work of Christ and the way you have been faithful to your promises. And when we look at the past that way, it just changes the way we look at our own past and the way we process that. And Father, in coming to the table, we also come with an acknowledgement of just your ongoing provision and work in our lives. And so as we prepare to turn the page on a new year, can we look into this future just with an anticipation of ways in which you desire to be at work in us and through us. So just over the next few moments, Father, would your spirit just challenge us in particular ways about how you are inviting us to live out our faith, to walk with you over the next year. May we be open to that. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm just going to give you a few moments to reflect on that question. Over the last few moments, I've asked you to, to look back, but also to look forward. To look back and think about the past year, but also now to look forward and think about how God might be at work. Now that we've done that, I think it's, it's time for us to come to the table. So in a moment, I'm going to invite you to get up, to come and to get the bread and the cup, to take it and to take it back to your seat. I'll come back in a moment and we will celebrate this together. And in, let me just remind you that the, in coming to the table, we, we are acknowledging our faith, our dependence in the Lord Jesus Christ. We're acknowledging our dependence on his grace. We're acknowledging the fact that we've been invited to his table, not because of our own efforts, because of the cross that makes this invitation possible. And so if you're willing to acknowledge that, then I, I'm going to welcome you to the table. I realize some of you have smaller kids here, and I just encourage you to kind of process what this means with them and, and to kind of observe this in the way you, you think is best for your family. So I now, I now invite you to the table. I invite you to come and remember the one who invites you to experience his grace and hospitality. The one who gives you a new way to look at the past. And the one who promises to empower you for the future 
as we move into a new year. So with that in mind, let's come to the table. And I'm about to turn the page on a new year. I'm not sure what this year will hold. And for some of us, it's going to be perhaps quite a ride. And yet, as I turn the page, I remember I sit, I sit at this table. I sit at the table of the one whose grace and hospitality continues in faithfulness to his promises. And this is, he's just inviting me to continue in this relationship in a variety of ways of building into others and living out my faith. And there are things he wants to do in me this year. As I sit at this table, there, there are new ways he wants me to experience his grace going into 2019. So as we sit at this table, hear these words. This is my body, it's broken for you. This is my blood, it's shed for you. Do this in remembrance of me. A moment ago, I did ask you to kind of, as we begin the new year, to look to the future and think about, well, how might God be inviting me to live out my faith in the new year? And I realize for some of us, maybe that's a hard question. It's too big. It's too much of a, it's kind of too big a question, and it's hard to make concrete. And so maybe you stumbled with that, or you're like, I'm not sure I have any deep, deep direction from God on exactly what he's doing in my life. And, and particularly if you kind of stumbled on that question, can I just make one suggestion? And that is this. As we now start the new year, you've heard we're going to be starting this series in Mark's gospel called Follow. And maybe my challenge to you just to be open to how God might be working in your life is this. One of the things we're going to see as we go through Mark's gospel is Jesus' passionate interest in working at the heart level of each and every one of us. Jesus' passionate interest to help us move beyond just maybe religious observance and routine. But his passionate interest in, in kind of engaging us in such a way so at the deepest level of who we are, the deepest level of our convictions, of our loves, of our passion, we might be driven by the magnificence of who Christ is and what he's done on our behalf. That, that this, this journey is something that at a deeper level, more and more we're drawn into. And perhaps that's part of what, there are just different ways Jesus just wants to continue to draw you in if you're a follower of Christ over the next year. For some of you, it's, it's going to be taking that first step of following. But you, would you be open to that? And again, just a reminder that as you go, if you haven't picked up a copy of our study guide for this series. They're available. As you leave, you can actually start this week. You can, I want to encourage you to do kind of the devotions beforehand so you can start on January 1. There are several devotions that will lead into the passage we'll be looking at next Sunday, and you can continue uh, through the series in, in that fashion. But let's just be open that as we start the year, even as we start this gospel, there are ways in which he desires, God just desires his grace to permeate deeper and deeper into our lives. There are ways in which as we sit at this table, he just wants us to see more of who he is and more of what it means to follow. So can I just pray for us in that regard?
So, Father, as we've gathered around the table, we've celebrated the grace, the work of Jesus Christ. And it's this work that gives us a, a healthy way to look back, to remember well. But it's this work that also defines our future. And I pray it's this work that's going to have a defining reality in shaping us as we move into this new year. Would we be open to what that looks like in our lives personally as we start this new journey through the gospel of Mark? In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand and sing?